Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock in, in the whole East Coast. And uh, uh, with us today is we have Judge Richard Weinberg, we have Ed Cox, a common sense Republican, and Craig Eaton, another common sense Republican. The Republicans are out uh, doing you two to one today, uh, Judge. No, I think, it? I think it's fair. Think Can it's you fair. handle it? Better be careful, Judge. Better be careful. And, uh, judge Foreman. In the studio with us, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, it's getting dark out there. It's getting dark, and Thanksgiving is just around the corner, but it feels like winter out there. Five weeks to the new year. Nobody's ever said that yet. Uh oh. Well, we got a hot show tonight. First on the line, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law. His latest book, The Price of Principle, he's also a constitutional scholar. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor Dershowitz. Hey, you think it's dark there. I'm in Tel Aviv where it's midnight, and it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you from the Holy Land. You're still on vacation? My God. No, I'm not on vacation. I'm meeting people in the government. I'm trying to make sure I learn everything there possibly is about Israel, because I go around the world defending Israel in the court of public opinion on university campuses, and I have to be up to date. So I'm Have you all met with Netanyahu yet? But professor, do they yeah, have a government? Well, that's the point. I meet with Netanyahu after he gets the government. Uh, that's supposed to be in a couple of days. But, you know, there are two elections in Israel, one to see how many people from each party go to the Knesset, and then there's usually a couple of weeks of negotiation among the parties, who gets what cabinet posts, uh, and and uh, it's still going on, and it's very, very contentious, and nobody knows exactly what the government will look like, except that Netanyahu will be the head of it. Now, Professor, the Supreme Court of the United States said to Trump, turn over your, uh, your, your, yeah. your tax, records. tax records to the Congress. Now, this Congress goes away January 2nd. Mm. So if, if, right. Trump, and, if Trump just turns them over very slowly, one page at a time, <laughs> what's the penalty? Well, you know, these tax returns are probably, if you put them on the floor, would hit the ceiling. They're very, very large, and obviously he has the right to go through them to make sure there's nothing self-incriminating, nothing involving privileges. So probably the time will benefit him. Look, I'm not sure I like this, the Supreme Court decision, even though it's nine to nothing. The Congressional Committee— Nine to nothing? My God! Yeah. Yeah, the Supreme Court, though, the, the, the Congressional Committee said they wanted it because it will help them legislate. That's nonsense. They only want it because it's Donald Trump, and they want to look at his tax returns. They don't like the fact that he's the first person ever to be president who didn't provide the tax returns. But I, I think the argument that the Congressional Committee makes was a phony argument. That was not the real reason that they wanted it, but I guess the Supreme Court can't go behind the the uh, alleged uh, reasons given by the congressional committee, so they have to vote the way they did. But it doesn't pass the smell test. That's not what the committee is interested it, in, passing legislation. They're interested in just seeing Trump's return to see if 
anything wrong with it. It's clearly an invasion of privacy well, to, to ask the president to well, disclose. The, the, Trump's, Trump's biggest fear is it's not as large as he right. has told yeah. people. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, Professor yeah, Dershowitz, you know, I want to talk about interesting situations. The appointment of Jack Smith as a special counsel. What do yeah. you think about this? And do you think this gentleman is a credible investigator objectively? Given his background, well, he he has this remarkable uh, experience being a state prosecutor, federal prosecutor, and an international prosecutor. He was a prosecutor at the International Criminal Court. Generally, has quite a good reputation. He's been on the Democrat side. He was appointed, obviously, during the Obama administration. I don't like special prosecutors. Why don't I like them? Because they come with a target. Usually prosecutors just look to see who's committed crimes. But when you have a special prosecutor, he has one job, one job to, to find a crime. One guy. Yeah. And, you know, just like they say to a hammer, everything is a nail to a special prosecutor. He's the guy. And I don't like that. I've never liked it. I didn't like it when it was directed against Clinton. I didn't like it when it was directed against some other previous cabinet members. It may be a necessary evil. And, you know, Justice Scalia thought it was unconstitutional. And so, you know, there's a real debate about it. Uh, but on the other hand, to have Garland make the decision whether to prosecute the man who is running against his boss, that also doesn't seem right. So, you know, it, it, there are two wrongs here, and there's no real right. But Smith himself, Alan, Smith himself is connected to the Obamas, is connected to the, yeah. to the Bidens. Couldn't you find somebody who— had an objective resume, had no connection politically, not making contributions, not doing work for them. Yeah, Judge, and when you say that, he, she, his wife directly worked with Michelle Obama. They've donated money to Biden's. The, the Bidens, Obama, as well as Rashida Tlaib, a member of the squad. Right. So why, of all the lawyers and law school deans and federal judges out there, why couldn't they find somebody who had an impeccable resume with no question? I think it calls no, into... I think they could have. Look, the same questions were raised about uh, Ken Starr, um, who was a special prosecutor in Clinton case. He was clearly Republican. He had been a Republican appointee, a solicitor general in the Justice Department. In America today, it's very hard to find anybody who isn't on one side or the other. But I agree with you. I think particularly political contributions and working closely with the wife of the president, those do raise questions. Look, it's an impossible job. Nobody's going to be satisfied with the results. If he ends up prosecuting him, half the country is going to say he was biased. If he ends up not prosecuting him, the other half of the country is going to say he was biased. So it's a thankless job. Nobody who's ever been a special prosecutor has ever gone anywhere after that. Ken Starr could have been on the Supreme Court if he had turned down the job. But he was a patriot, and he decided to take it, and he, I think, knew he was giving up the prospect of being a Supreme Court justice. And I think, you know, Smith probably realizes he's toward the end of his career, so it's something that he feels uh, obliged to do as a, as a patriot. Uh, could they have gotten somebody who is less visibly tied to the Democrats? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, will he do the right thing? I think we have to keep an open mind about that. Does he really, Ed Cox here, Professor, does he really let Garland off the hook? And there's a special counsel in the uh, in the original uh, uh, Trump case, the Russia, Russia, and the Mueller investigation. And uh, the with receptive obstruction, the AG Barr made the decision, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, you never let him off the hook. The attorney general is, is where the buck stops. Yep. 
and it's the attorney general who makes the appointment. And he's he's responsible, but, you know, he, he is delegating authority to somebody else to make an independent decision. We also have Durham, but he hasn't done very much uh, looking at uh, other things. And then, of course, many people raise the question, if there's a special prosecutor against Trump, why isn't there a special prosecutor in regard to Hunter Biden? After all, the attorney general of the United States should not be making a decision involving the son of the man who appointed him and could promote him to the Supreme Court. Uh, now, there is an investigation going on in Delaware by a Trump appointee. So maybe that explains why there doesn't have to be a special prosecutor. But, you know, we're one of the few countries in the world that combine two roles together. The role of the minister of justice, the political appointee who's supposed to try to get his boss renominated, member of the cabinet, that's Garland on the one hand. On the other hand, he's the chief prosecutor. And in most other countries, they divide that function. In England, there's a director of public prosecution and a minister of justice. In Israel, the same thing, a minister of justice and then somebody who's in charge of prosecution. Two roles, but in the United States, they merge those roles together, which is why we need special prosecutors. The other countries don't, because their ordinary prosecutor is a special prosecutor. But, but nothing here leads to justice. That's the problem. That's it's, the, it's, well, it's justice, the, what's that? When's no, the last time anybody yeah. cared about justice? <laughs> there's no justice <laughs> here. It's, all, it's the Democrats picking the Democrats. They, they picked the prosecutor that was at the state level, the federal level, and the international level. I didn't even know well, that I, people did that. I think the worst <laughs> abuse is Letitia James, who I like very much as a person. Yep. But she campaigns, campaigns on the promise that she's going to get Trump. If she doesn't get Trump, she loses reelection. She has broken her campaign promise. Should you ever have a prosecutor prosecuting somebody who he's, she or he has made a campaign promise to get? That is the worst. Even worse, she she filed the, the, the suit. It's a civil suit, but against him yeah. just before her reelection. I bet, what about yeah. the fact that they filed, they assigned the special prosecutor in the same week that he announced he was running for president and just 24 hours after the GOP said that they were going to investigate Joe Biden and Hunter Biden? I mean, this is a political persecution. But let me tell you, Letitia well, got to run I for her money this year with Michael Henry. She yes. really did. Yeah. And I, I actually thought Henry was going to beat her. Professor Dershowitz, what is your reaction? Do you think this is a form of political persecution? I think everything is political these days. I, you know, when I was growing up, there really was a separation between politics and justice. Today, everything is political. The Supreme Court has become politicized. Prosecutors are politicized. The FBI has become politicized. Anything. The FBI. It shouldn't happen. By the way, what? What happened to the uh, Supreme Court investigation with respect to the leak of the Dobbs preliminary decision? Uh, you know, we haven't heard anything about that, even though there was a New York Times story saying there may have been another leak in the Hobby Lobby case. Uh, it has to be exposed and has to be revealed. And there has to be a new law passed by Congress setting up rules with punishments for anybody, ranging from a justice to a law clerk to a printer who leaks Supreme Court material and decisions. Oh, another interesting uh, piece of news came out today. President Biden extending the student loan pause. For the sixth time. For the sixth time. So what, do, what does that mean? Well, it means, again, executive authority over things that ought to be legislative authority. So does that and, mean uh, he's telling the people of Georgia, vote for my way, vote for the, uh, and maybe you'll get $10,000? 
Yeah, and also in Georgia, the Supreme Court of Georgia just allowed voting to begin early, even though under Georgia law, you shouldn't be able to have voting during a week when there's a national holiday. Isn't that the same problem they had with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court? What right do they have to do under federal constitution to do that? Right. No, you see, because that was a presidential election. Article 2 specifically provides presidential elections have to be determined by the state legislature. There are there are not comparable rules for Senate elections. So the state has a lot more authority um, uh, to decide who within the state makes the rules regarding a senatorial election. So there is a difference between a senatorial election and a presidential election. Well, Alan Dershowitz, thank you so much for coming on and and enjoy Israel. I wish I, you know, sometime we'll be with you in Israel. That would be wonderful, wonderful, good. Well, thank you, and uh, maybe it's time to go to sleep. Everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Shalom. Happy Thanksgiving. Do they they have any kind of Thanksgiving yet? Any turkeys there? Lots of turkeys all over. And uh, (laughs) we celebrate Thanksgiving in Israel, so we're going to be having some turkey. Thank you so much. And uh, we're nice. going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to come back with uh, Andrew McCarthy. And uh, he's got some things to say. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.